Israel is one of the major innovation hub in the world. Today, I welcome you all for an interesting episode with Dr. Solomon Dedia, an orthopedic oncologist from the well-known Tel Aviv Medical Center, Israel. Before we begin the conversation, let me remind you to push the subscribe button and continue listening to all of our episodes as they are released. Do click the links to various resources on the episode's show notes page to learn more about medical 3D printing. So let's dive deep into the applications of medical 3D printing for orthopedic oncology. 3D printing technology is pushing the limits of customization, bringing ease to surgical planning and making predictable outcomes. If you are a surgeon wanting to make lives better, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Surgeons in 3D Printing podcast. And now, your host, Dr. Ruchi Pathak Cole, to take you on this beautiful journey. Welcome to the podcast, Surgeons in 3D Printing. Today, I have the Head of Surgical Innovation 3D Printing Unit, the Deputy Director of the Orthopedic Oncology Department, Dr. Solomon Dedia from the Tel Aviv Medical Center, Israel. Dr. Solomon has been at the Tel Aviv Medical Center for almost 10 years. Let us connect with him for an insightful conversation. Welcome to the second part of the interview with Dr. Solomon Dedia. So how many printers do you have installed in your lab? <laughs> this is a lot of cases. We have a six printers, but we still use a, the company we started with, Synergy RM, Synergy 3D Medical. A, they, they own a, a, some very big machines, a Stratasys machine a, with a multicolor and different consistency of materials. So the complex models are printed there. But still, the same company, it's the same company that worked with us in the in hospital. The machines, yeah. But in the beginning, most of the machines and software and personnel were the company. Now we are about even more people and okay. we own our printers and we own our software. And another print that exists in the company is the regulated one, the back compatible materials for the jigs. They did the regulatory process for that, so it must be done there right. in their facility. Wow. And so you have Absolutely. enough printers yeah. to actually handle that amount of load of work that you have. So, which is great. And so, uh, how, how have you managed with the software? Like, you know, um, do you need more uh, licenses or how are you doing with that? We, uh, we did a lot of effort to understand segmentation and to try to recruit most of surgeons to do segmentation and work with us. Uh, and we, we, are a, we have license and we bought to purchase is all the very good and FDA approved so a segmentation software. So we have Vital Imaging, we have Philips Portal, we have a D2P, it's a 3D system segmentation software and mimics of materials. So we take the best of every software and we combine them together. We have a, in Philips and 
wow. some uh, features in mimics that we can do a fusion of modalities before starting to go further to segmentation. So uh, the the uh, the problem wow, is amazing. the planning software. Planning software that are not so good in the market. So it's still a, a materialized uh, a thematics. It's still there, but I think uh, we are about to get uh, to get the surgical planner for a better uh, for to be a better site for the system for the uh, development of a surgical planner. So maybe in the future it would be it would be more open. Uh, that's that's uh, like a, a neck neck of a, a yeah. data that should be get into one software so we are and those fragmentation of software it's it's a little bit of a problem i think in the future if someone will take and combine this flow in one good and powerful tool it would be amazing because we we, we lose data and i think we 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 are making our mistakes on a jumping from one software to another software. And then we have at the, la at the last part, we have the machines exactly. and there is some of mistake even there. It's, it's not ideal. That's what we have now. Right. I think that's an evolutionary process for, I think, anything that is there, like everything develops in that manner. But if I had to ask you, like now that how much ever, if somebody had to start, what software would you recommend that the person should start with? And a printer, just oh. like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky question. It's a tricky question. Because, yes, it is. It is. <laughs> because there are a lot of open source software I, you can find. Yes. Uh, but it depends. If you work in a big hospital, you are obliged to work with approved software. Definitely. So it, 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 there's no option. You have to work with approved software. We have, even there is no FDA approved for all the process. I think when it will come, when it will come, you must show your then process. You must show you yeah. work with those principles that every step was the right software, the approved software, and you have the options to, to, to trace all your cases and how did you print and what you delivered. So I think right. we try to work as much as FDA approved for all the process. So it starts from software. Yeah, if I would and work, that's the most expensive part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of, uh, it, it, I think all the four software we have are quite sufficient for to start with one of them, uh, and 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 I think if there's no big budget, there's no need to do fancy lab. You should have one person and one one software of planning, one software for segmentation, and you can outsource all your printing uh, and start like that. Stack like that because exactly. the printing is the list of your problems when you start, and then when you get more and more experience with the process and surgeries and the planning, you can you can afford yourself a small printer just for the basic models, 
There's no need for a, a fancy printers in hospitals. I know hospitals buy those big, those big printers. It's not a necessity. It's not a necessity. You can outsource your printing uh, in reasonable prices uh, and work. You know, surgeons do not care if you print inside or outside the hospitals. They, exactly. The main issue is to work with them and engage with them on the case. And then when you brainstorm with each surgeon's his needs and give him solutions and, and he understand the, the, the pathology through the segmentation and he plan his surgery, then he, the, the, impact, the impact is there. You don't need any more impact yes. than that. So you print outside exactly, and you have your improvement, your surgeon that will do a better surgery. Right. For many cases, you don't even need printing, actually. Absolutely. Visualization works far better. Yeah, and exactly. it's, it's an evolu evolution. You understand when you work more and more with this uh, mm. technology, there's no need for every case. And now we are printing just the valuable cases that it will make a change. And uh, it depends. When, when surgeon comes, if it is the first time he wants the printing, it's, it's the, the reason he right. came is the reason he came, but then eventually he will understand that he is there yeah. and he stays when not, because, to not because of that. Yeah, exactly. So that was really uh, nice to hear. And actually, uh, there was a lot of learning out there. Um, so I wanted to ask another question that uh, while, while you grew with the with the lab, what did you realize that, what are you doing more of like models, implants, guides, or are you take, where are you doing your metal printing? Is it outsourced or are you doing it much? Because uh, are you doing more of guides and jigs? Uh, I think the, uh, the bigger bunch is the uh, 3D PDFs. We are uh, working with many cases, many surgeons just in a virtual way. And we added the, right. in the last year a, a virtual reality station. So virtual reality can replace the printing in quite a lot of cases. And, and then you realize that there are surgeons that like it more. They, they like it more yeah. and they, they, are, they are willing to learn a, a, a their case in the VR a, and skip the printing. So we give them those tools and they will choose how to work. Uh, and every surgeon has his own preferables. Uh, and the, I think after this 3D PDF and virtual models, we have print. And then uh, I think if we are going down in the numbers and then jigs, and it's, it's not only cutting jigs, it's jigs in general. It could be jigs for trajectory of an RF needle or a cryoablation needle or any, any other jig that will guide a, a, the procedure during surgery. And, a, and metal, we started to use metal only in the past one and a half year, a, a two years. A, and we are still in a learning curve. A, we are right. using it more and more. It's, a, it's an amazing tool because a, a, and our initial results are very good. A, there are all those patients that we printed a custom cage, like with a lattice structure, are very good biomechanically. And we see 
a very good uh, rigid fusion in a bone cage junction. We see the grow of the integration of bone into the cages. Uh, we have a very good results and we are investigating it in the research with the Tel Aviv University to see what would be the best filler for those lattice structures. So we are there, we are, uh, there is a research going on with the uh, hydrogels and osteoblasts to try to understand if those materials they are uh, developing in, in university uh, for bone regeneration will help us in our implantation. And it's like a, a hybrid uh, implant. So there is a rigidity of the metal, but still you can feel it with biology. And right. there is a lot to learn. Because of the lattice. Yeah. Yes, yes. And we printed outside. We printed uh, outside because it's a facility for metal printing. is quite uh, yeah. complex. It's, and yeah. it's a completely different world then. <laughs> yeah. So it's a completely different world. And the post-processing is quite complex. So, yes. and still, even here, I know that there are some locations in the world that hospital try to jump into metal printing in-house. But it has maybe, to be done separate again. Yeah, maybe if the we, entire building. Yeah, I know if, if those this technology will improve so much that you can put it in a hospital. Yes, it's an option. But uh, uh, technology runs quite fast, and the developments are incredible. So in ten years' time, maybe you can put a, a desktop yeah, exactly. metal machine to produce your. On the implants, but at the moment it's a, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's done outside. We do all the planning in in the in the lab, and then we outsource an STL file to print. But we work together with the people from the company because not every design will be accepted in the machine, and there are exactly. different machines exactly. and they. So when you work with one supplier, you have to understand in which technology, what technology he uses, and then to build with him the, the options of your, the, the boundaries of your lattice. Uh, and still there's a lot to learn. The, the lattice in different locations, uh, different anatomy locations acts differently. So you have to understand biomechanics. You have to do your final element the analysis, analysis in each case. So it's at, at the beginning, it was like I was reluctant to go inside metal because <laughs> you are, as a surgeon, you know always what this is for the big companies because they know better. All right. But when you go and you jump inside, you understand that in this area of the 3D printing, they are like you in the experiments and trial and error. And so... We, we do that now exactly. more, more safely. Right. So, um, okay, that was about 3D printing. So what are the other technologies you're interested in? You mentioned one of them, which is VR. And then uh, do you, could you mention something if you are doing something regarding bioprinting and, you know, well, uh, taking it forward? We start, say, we, we, we try to... Uh, 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 make broader our interest in different uh, areas, not just 3D printing. Uh, sometimes it connects to 3D printing, sometimes not. Uh, there is a pilot now uh, uh, that runs in the emergency room 
to try to replace the uh, all this standard casting uh, to custom okay. made the uh, plastic ones, printed ones. So we put a very fast DLP machine in the orthopedic clinic. We didn't start wow. to print in the emergency room. We are printing in the orthopedic clinic. Uh, we have a, a we have a collaboration with a, a Belgium company called Spentis. Uh, they develop. Oh yes, a, they're doing an amazing job. Even I read about. Yeah, they're creating those. Yeah, so they develop a a, a, a software for a for those a, different designs. You can manipulate your after you scan. Okay. It's like you scan with the iPad. Very simple scan. So it can be done in the emergency room. It can be done in the orthopedic clinic. And now there is a pilot of thirty patients that we are doing it for. A, a stable distal radius or wrist fractures to understand how we can build and change our traditional uh, casting yes. in the hospital. That's amazing. Eventually, we want to eventually we want to change everything from the first initial point uh, of uh, the the patient in the emergency room. But let's see. We started with the clinic, and next step is the emergency room. Yeah. Uh, we are working with uh, other projects uh, is to take this uh, technology of virtual reality and to take it into the uh, operating room, uh, into theater, and to try with augmented reality to look how we can uh, improve our understanding of the anatomy and pathology at the initial step. And then for the first, the second step is to registers those virtual models into the patient and to start to do procedures according to the virtual model and the planning. So at the moment, what we, what we do is just looking at the anatomy and STLs on the patients in the theater. Okay. But uh, we are working with, with uh, two companies, Microsoft and another American company, Novarad, to register those images into the patients with different uh, technologies and we are using our knowledge of planning from 3D printing okay. and, and executing it there. Projecting, we are projecting our plan and our jigs on the patients virtually to cut virtually. Wow. Uh, so we are able to project at the moment, we're able to registered it to the patient roughly, but we are working working on the validation of a, 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 this a, a accurate process to, to then eventually want to be a, a fully virtual without the physical jig. Now at the moment we do that in both technologies with the physical jig and, and, and the virtual one. Right. Yeah. Virtual reality is also expensive for the for you know for the initial station that you have to invest on. But then yeah, well, I think once it, it is yeah. there, it's there. I mean, yeah. And and more and more uh, companies, segmentation uh, companies, will give you this station as a bundle with the segmentation software. So three D system. They sell their D2P segmentation software with the VR. Now, they materialize, they announce they have yes. VR ability yeah. for, for, for DMX. So it, it's, it comes it's together. More and more companies will do that, yeah. 
it is coming together now gradually so i think uh, things will get better as more and more people are going to use it yeah so yes. is your lab also a regenerative medicine lab or uh, that is a separate lab no we uh, it's a separate lab we don't do a we don't do ourselves biology research or uh, any services but we do work with university and different labs to a uh, uh, to understand and to promote some uh, collaboration and research together so we have few projects with uh, labs that do regenerative medicine uh, especially in bone i think we 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 want to uh, i think we will have a, a we can get some very quick proof of concept in skeleton in bone with bone exactly. regenerated bone and i think we have to run fast to be uh, a, to achieve some achievements with that and we have few projects uh, that are we just just built the clinical studies with few labs in tel aviv university so wow. they, they are uh, because there's no uh, this center of the uh, innovation it's it's a, an amazing platform for them to uh, to connect to the clinical world and exactly. they have lots of opportunities to try their products so we, we are we were focusing on establishing this place for the two three years and now we are with our head up yeah. and looking for <laughs> looking for more innovative innovative research to, to try to use our platform better Wow. It was such an amazing conversation, very insightful. And I think we got to know a lot. And uh, But I would still ask you the last question. What would be your message to the listeners who are listening to us and would uh, really want to know where to start, how to start and, you know, and that fear of a surgeon of, you know, whether to take it or whether not to do it. Please uh, share your message with listeners. I think... Uh... 3D printing is a confusing name. It is a confusing name. I think a surgeons must think of this process as transforming from 2D to 3D thinking. And it doesn't matter in what level this thinking should be. It could be at the imaging process, uh, processing. It could be in the planning process. But... If you start to transform your thinking from 2D to 3D, you understand better your anatomy, your pathology, your surgery you're about to do. A, there's a less a uncertainty in surgeries when you come with your plan. There is a less uncertainty with all the team you're working with. And it's like you come with a plan and you execute your plan from A to C. And this is the amazing impact it can do to every surgeon. Very true. So I encourage every surgeon to try to try some segmentation to understand the power of segmentation and the planning for your sake of your patients. Wow. Thank you very much for your message and uh, and you have a wonderful center. Uh, people know it very well <laughs> thank you for being here it's a pleasure to you thank you so much for the opportunity thank you. thank you that was a whole lot of information from Dr. Solomon Dedia and I really hope you enjoyed it and will utilize it for the next episode 
I have a surprise for you. Let me give you a small hint. It is an interview with Dr. Yasser Madahi, CEO and founder of Tactile Robotics in Canada. So see you next week with a completely new perspective. Till then, stay safe and live with passion. Life is a work in progress. What matters at the end is the journey.